Nate, did I ever tell you that at one point I wanted to be a doctor? No. Yeah, obviously, just like... You really were the kid my parents wanted. Well, yeah, you, you wanted to be a doctor as well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah I think... Take that off the table. I think I was, just, I was just at an age where I was like, yeah, it sounds good, and it'll make people happy. And then, uh, yeah, I I think you're just at that kid age where it just sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, and then you realize, uh, like, it's not not what it is shout out to all the doctors yeah. out there oh I say it openly to all my doctor mates yeah, yeah. Uh, no I didn't necessarily want to be a doctor no one knows what happens beyond the camera shot mm. um, just hit someone yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no I, I really wanted to be a doctor after I stopped being pressured into being a doctor uh-huh. like I started to become really interested especially lately I, I, I've had that thing where I've spent a lot of time in hospitals recently oh yeah and just watching certain doctors navigate certain conversations um, and some of the things that they're saying, I was just like, that's really quite interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it is. It is. Yeah. As much as you, I, I take the mic, it's, it's incredible what they do, mm. how they save lives. Um, I just feel that those, no offense to but those that do it just because it's noble the or prestige. because it's prestige, yeah. Yeah, it's the wrong reason. <laughs> Say this on camera, but I want to know what it feels like to tell someone that they're dying. That's a little fucked up, buddy. Yeah, a little bit fucked up. A lot of people say that obviously it has an impact on yourself as well, but I just want to know. Just for a split second, what? Yeah. Why don't you just say it? Say it to say, say it to me. Yeah, Ram. Why okay. are you laughing, bro? That's not I'm the, dying. If I were to give my, my non-doctor tip, that's not the way to it's do it. It's not. Bedside manner is... Um, <laughs> the la- the smart guy. You could figure out the science behind it, but that's not good Okay, go on. Manner. Go on. Try again. Serious. Yeah. Serious face. What's wrong with me, dog? <laughs> this isn't a, laugh- this isn't a laughing yeah, subject. Why are you laughing? Does that mean good news? So, so anyway, on my, yeah. my, my story of wanting to be a doctor, right? Yeah. I uh, did one of these, like, quizzes on how, like, what career you want to go down and yeah. whatnot. And there was loads Buzzfeed, of... Buzzfeed, what kind of career? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that too. It was a school yeah. thing. It was, like, future career, and you would draw lines within circles, and it would be able to predict through all this stuff what you would become. Shit, so and cool. then it gave a map of all careers out there, and the thicker the line, the more likely you were to go down that line. And the thinner the line, mm-hmm. the less likely that should be a career for you. Right. And it would take into account all things such as how caring you were, mm. your nature, all of this stuff. Bearing in mind, this is when I just told my grandparents that I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. My the the thing for medical profession or anything around that was the thinnest you could get. Like it literally told me I was not caring, like yeah. caring enough or bedside manner, all of that stuff. And the <laughs> one, just like, You're the one for <laughs> I remember this. Yeah, the one for business or finance was like. Yeah. The, the juggernaut Thick so I just C's. and it's weird at the time I was like oh a load of rubbish and yeah. somehow here we are, here we are. so That's maybe cool. maybe one test is uh, what everyone needs to do no you're very diplomatic you got I reckon uh, you could tell, tell me I'm dying what's wrong with me doc uh yeah <laughs> 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 I find it weird to, yeah. especially if you're not dying. Like, yeah. actually, we're all dying. We are all dying. Sam, yeah. I'm really sorry to tell you. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's not easy for me to say, but one day you will die. But but there's a shot, right? There's a chance. There's a chance. It, I might not. There's a chance it will take a little bit longer, but yeah. unfortunately, you will come to. <clears throat> this is a bit morbid. This mm. conversation. So let's lighten it up. Yeah. Before we do, there was something. Uh, Like I mentioned, I've been spending a lot of time in in hospitals. A family member of mine's been quite unwell. Mm. And 
there was one thing about one particular doctor yeah. that I, I actually would love to ask her. Okay. This doctor was phenomenal. When I talk about the her ability to just... An example is like drawing blood. Yeah. A bunch of doctors struggled with this. She got it in one go. Okay. Um, so, like, from a competency, st- competency standpoint, and again, um, the complications around this illness required a lot of, like, just dancing on the knife's edge. Mm. And she did that really, really well. Like, she wasn't the only person in charge, but she was one of many. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, she was, by and large, far the best, had the best bedside manner. Okay. Okay? To the point where it felt like authentic compassion. Okay. And I just wonder, she seemed quite experienced. Like I said, she was really good at her job. So she must have been there for quite a while. She looked young, but she must have been a qualified doctor for a good four or five years, I'm guessing. She's been around, yeah. 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 And so I really want to ask her an example of good bedside manner. She was speaking to this individual. And then when she went away, my family member went, thank you. And she didn't hear like, it was just loud enough to hear. She could have walked out, and me and my sister both noticed this. And she turns around, goes right up to the bedside and said, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What did you say? And they went, thank you. Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, it's absolutely fine. It was the yeah. fact that she could have walked out, and nobody would have cared. Nobody would have been like, oh, that's rude. But she, like, she caught a glimpse. She turned around and went back. Mm. That was not the impression from other doctors we got. So my question is, I've dragged this on a bit, is does that level of compassion hurt? I get why doctors dissociate, right? Because they see a lot of patients, especially in that ward, yep. they probably see a lot of patients pass away. Mm-hmm. So does that level of compassion just bring on constant agony? If she's watching this, I'd love to know. Potentially. I mean, I, I'm not in her position. I would, I'd like to know that too. Yeah. Maybe she's willing to take the pinch of constant agony yeah. to be that final point of compassion at such a such a point because how many lives has she's touched in the yeah. final moments of those people's lives right yeah. and the people that have um gone on to, to to leave hospital and live on you know she's been there for them yeah and maybe it could be one of the root causes for why they they survived right maybe um so yeah i'm, I'm not too sure but it's it's incredible when you do speak like that yeah. the career yeah it's it's intriguing and the pressure they're under yeah. oh, it's just it's, it's phenomenal this isn't I've got 20 accounts to submit tomorrow. This is, yeah. this is, uh, this, I've got 20 death, lives literally. on the line. Yeah. I've got to pick which one I've got to dedicate more time to. Yeah. yeah if I can. It's pretty heavy. Anyway. Yeah. Boom. Hi, welcome to Director's Debrief, episode 39, the podcast where we discuss Ram telling me I'm going to die. We talk about death, the hard hitting topic. Yeah. I'm kidding. It's a topic where we talk about business, talk about money, and we talk about <laughs> saving the economy. Yeah. Yeah. And you, uh, dude, you blew my mind because mm-hmm. I grew up in the north of England. I spent a lot of time there and social media has given me certain perspectives of the world. Yeah. I came to you and I'm not saying you lean either way politically. I don't think you mm. do, but it, that doesn't matter. I asked you for your perspective because in the last week's episode, we talked about how we don't think that it's a solution for pay to be going up. Mm-hmm. And that might see, make us seem cold-blooded. Even Ram came up to me afterwards and said that that's something that bothers him. And that's, that's a very valid point. Yeah. We discussed that for a little bit. But a lot of people might be looking at me and going, well, you're just saying not, not solutions. You're not yeah. providing solutions. And I saw something online, something that Russell Brand is actually backing at the moment. Uh-huh. 
And to some extent, I kind of want to debate this with you again. Yeah. It's called Don't Pay UK. Okay. And whilst I was so negative about, I don't think salaries should be going up as well as expenses because there's no end to that, yeah. to that ladder. Excuse me. This seemed like a smart move because it's essentially a movement to stop people paying their bills. Mm-hmm. And what that means is it puts people under pressure to make change. Mm-hmm. And you... People being the government. The gov- yeah, essentially they're trying to maintain the, the cap. Yeah, no on, one else on cares, right? Price. It's just the government who can come in to... to they're the it. only ones that can implement the cap, realistically. Okay. Yeah. Energy providers could reduce their prices, mm-hmm. could take a cut from their profit margins, and I saw huge gains to that. From talking to you, what was your perspective, if you want to remind people, because I've had some updated views on this. Okay, sure. So, no, just to, to recall, so the Don't Pay UK people are the people that are saying, Russell Brand and, and the rest saying, you know what, we owe, we owe £100 next month for our bills, we're just not going to pay it, yeah. right? Makes sense. In, in theory, I appreciate what's going on at the moment, the way bills are increasing, it's pinching everyone. Everyone has a little less money in their pocket. Um, to spend on whatever they used to spend on, yeah. uh, their family, their friends, what they like doing. Everyone has been arguably impacted. sometimes necessities. Right? Even Actually, in this case, necessities. Right. Even the most the people at the, the high end of the tax bracket mm-hmm. have been affected. Less so relative to their income, yeah. but they've been impacted in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Don't pay UK saying do not pay your bills. Um, and the way we spoke through it is, firstly, that feels like a good answer. The only way that the only people that really care there are the government, because the energy companies would do it just like any other company. If you didn't pay your credit card bill, what would happen? Hmm. You know, they're not just going to drop their debt collectors. Yeah. There's debt recovery processes that right. because we live in that kind of economy yeah. uh, where there's a structure behind it. So the only people that could stop this hmm. are the government. So what Russell Brand is saying, no, not the people, not the energy companies to come out. Hmm government needs to do something about it again in theory superb idea you know yes government come in and bail us out um but what do they do what can the government do we discussed this they subsidize the uh the difference right right so the cap doesn't they remove the cap suddenly the bills are five thousand you can only afford to pay three thousand the government pay the two yeah that's what we talked about that's it yeah so exactly like that so the government will subsidize the two thousand pound mm-hmm. uh, across the millions of homes that we do have mm-hmm. costing X million, 150 million, mm-hmm. uh, or I believe the the thing that Liz Trust is putting through is a 40 billion pound billion pound package that she's putting together, right? right? But anyway, so that let's let's say it's 150 million for this subsidy for mm-hmm. a month. You'll put that through. The thing here is we work on a demand and supply schedule, right? So as demand increases for something, in order to prevent us, or to make sure that we have enough supply to meet that demand, price has to increase. Mm-hmm. Let's take 10 watches that we, we use that as an example, right? Yes. If the demand was higher than, the t- so say you're selling them at £100 mm-hmm. and there's X demand and you're, you're selling them through, you will naturally need to increase your pricing to make sure that your supply of those watches, so you've got 10 coming in every month, mm-hmm. meets the demand that's coming through. Because if you don't... Yeah you'll have more demand there and you'll be selling, you know, it's a, it's a natural market where you can be uh, selling at a certain rate. Sure. So just to expand on that analogy, yeah. let's assume I have 10 watches coming in a month, 10 people want to buy them. Yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I can continue at this rate. This is a good price. Yeah. Suddenly 20 people want 10 watches. Yeah. I have to double the price 
to try and slow down how quickly they're going out. Yeah. Whilst I get more in. Absolutely. And that's figure it. that solution. Exactly. That's yeah. that's what you're proposing. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're allowing the supply and demand schedules to meet. Yeah. And to realign, to realign yeah. at the perfect equilibrium point. Yeah. So the price naturally has to increase. So when people talk about the market, the energy market, mm-hmm. that isn't one person saying tomorrow's price of gas is going to be fifty p or hundred p. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have that a little bit with the price cap, mm-hmm. but more so, it's the general consensus of people and what people are willing to pay. Mm-hmm. So if you're not willing to pay £100 for your watch, but RAM is, mm-hmm. and then five other people are, the market has dictated that the price is £100 or mm-hmm. £120, whatever they are willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Say it goes to 180 and suddenly RAM drops out and someone else drops out, then the price will naturally fall again to where, it fit, where the demand and the supply meet. Mm-hmm. So your 10 watches are being bought by 10 people, yeah. the exact amount. Yeah. So when we go to subsidies... What happens when the price of energy goes up? And this is a bad, bad thing because it's such a, um, a such a staple requirement for people, right? You need heating, especially in the the, the height of the winter, right? We're not yeah. talking about lollipops that you don't need, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about energy, heating, so gas and electricity. As the price increases, demand starts to slow. People stop switching on their radiators as much. Um, people start you know, using less energy, switching the lights off. We start to think about things a little bit more, right? Price has gone up, which allows demand to um, to, to calm down, mm-hmm. which prevents price from uh, from rising too much um, because you've got that. So you've only got an excellent supply yeah. uh, coming through. If demand keeps rising, your pricing keeps rising as a as a fact. Is that is that making sense? Yeah. So and yeah. then so what you're proposing is the opposite might happen. Yeah. As you get to a certain price threshold, less and less people use it, and suddenly yeah. the demand is lower, and so the supply can reduce its pricing. It's not that the supply reduces. Yeah. Essentially, the the supply or is the, the market. The market price yeah. is is at a certain point. Yeah. Or the it supply really... becomes an abundance, and it has to become cheaper. Exactly. So. Let's let's go for a an analogy. Say we're paying ten p a kilowatt for energy yeah. uh, electricity, and then which is really cheap, but at the moment, <laughs> um, and say that continues. Say that continues to rise um, yeah. to a certain point. So um, you say that the the price is now going to twenty p, but the demand is x number of kilowatts at ten p at ten p. If we subsidize it and keep it at ten pence. We're still using the X amount of kilowatts at the 20 pence mark. Mm-hmm. And that means that we continue to see an increase in pricing mm-hmm. because we found no equilibrium point. No, no one is reducing their consumption yeah. to allow demand to meet supply. And what we will see is the government will start to subsidize. But because our pricing is the same, we'll still be switching our lights on a little bit more. Yeah. And we'll still be having our radiators on a little bit more. Don't get me wrong. We need to. It's survival, right? Yeah. Energy is survival. But it's still a market. And the fact here is what that will do is that will lead to the government needing to subsidize more and more. Mm-hmm. So this month they'll subsidize 150 million. Mm-hmm. But price will continue to, to, to go up because that demand continues to remain the same. Yeah. So next month it'll be a 200 million subsidy and a 250 million subsidy and it will continue. And we say, well, that's fine. My, my energy is capped at 10 uh, pence per kilowatt. Yeah. But where is this money coming from? So here's the thing. Uh-huh. Let's go back to the watch analogy. Okay. Okay. So 10 watches. Suddenly I have 50 people who want to buy 10 watches. Yeah. And the problem here is I've increased my price. 
they still want the watches because ultimately to them, they're only going to pay the, uh, I, I, let's say, £100. Yeah. They're still going to pay £100. But I'm like, no, 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 this is now £300. Yeah. And the government's coming in and going, don't worry, you can have it. We'll sell it for... Hundred pounds. Hundred pounds will give you the two hundred pound difference. That's what the cap. So you, is. as the supplier, gets three hundred pounds. So yeah. At the end of the day, that's mm-hmm. what the sorry. That's what the cap is. That's what the cap is, right? Now, we'll move on to talk about. I think the next thing to talk about is what you think is a more viable solution. Yeah. Or actually, no. What I wanted to talk about, what I came to you and I went, that's all good and well. However, these energy companies are public companies yep. and they're reporting record profits mm-hmm. like extortionate numbers and whatever their businesses they're entitled to yeah and you're um and i said like what if they these are record profits what if they maintained their business because you and i know to grow a business you need more money coming in yeah but you can't just go and tell people give me more money yeah what's your argument to that okay let's take an industry that's not energy let's take apple Okay. Right? Everyone get gets really annoyed with Apple increasing its prices year on year, yeah. releasing a new iPhone year on year. But how many people really are that annoyed with the multi-billion pounds of profit that, that they make every year? How many people are like, well, why are they increasing their, their, pro, their iPhones by another hundred pounds yeah. when my iPhone, oh, they're, they're making billions. They shouldn't be increasing their price of phones. If anything, they should be decreasing it because they're making plenty of money. How many people say that? Not many, but I would argue that Apple make new products. Energy is energy. Okay, they market new products. Yeah. 90% market, 10% innovation, yeah. right? Energy isn't energy. Energy requires innovation. Your source of energy requires innovation. Mm-hmm. It's not simply, oh, we're still having coal um, coal houses and they're burning coal, although we do have a fair amount. Yeah. They're looking at new energy sources, wind, solar, nuclear. It all takes investment. So yes, they're making multi-billions. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're, they're the great uh, people that are going to save climate change, but they are making investments into new energy sources, which may be green or may not be green, but they're looking at innovation. So there's plenty of innovation going on. Yeah. Um, but my argument when I was talking about that is I genuinely feel the media is turning its attention to the fact it's the energy company's fault and not the underlying cause. There's like a direction that blame the billionaires, blame the rich. Yeah. And that makes sense because it's easy to blame, right? It's you, you, everyone wants a scapegoat. Now you're speaking my language because mm-hmm. I hate it when the wrong thing is blamed. Yeah. Right? There was so much there was so much hatred towards Elon Musk not paying taxes. Yeah. And the thing is, his tax bill just hadn't been produced yet. Sure. He wasn't due to pay the tax. Yeah. To which I'd always go to the people, when do you pay your energy? Why haven't you paid your energy bill for December? Yeah, Actually, right. it's, it's September. <laughs> haven't you, yeah. you know, that's what my thing is. It's not that. It's the fact that, you know, at, whenever he wants to utilize that money, he will get taxed on it and yeah. whatever. So mm-hmm. I, I, I hate it when people blame the thing that isn't true. Sure. So let's get into that. What do you think the underlying cause is? It's the government. Okay. So okay. Uh, you, yeah. you you, I think, listening to this podcast, you will have lost a lot of support. Yeah. And I think you just reclaimed it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'll say it, 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 it's, it's, it's so obvious, but the thing is, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because we will always look to the government to help us. Yeah. But the by the government helping us, aka printing money, aka subsidizing things, yeah. it leads to more issues in the longer term and it leads to more price increases, more inflation, because we're addicted to the money printer. Yeah. That's as simple as it is, right? Now, we blame the government, but we always look to them for support, always look to them for change. Mm. So it's like- Their purpose yeah. is to 
serve their community, right? It's to serve their community their in a fiscally responsible way. Yeah. And that's the bit that's missed. We see them because they have been open. They've had an open checkbook for a long time yeah. on the wrong things. Some may argue, of yeah. course, um, but they've had an open checkbook for a long time. This has led to us assuming that they have an unlimited pile of money. And when things go get rough, they subsidize more. And in the shorter term, will her subsidies make sense? Yes. They will help people through the winter, potentially save people, save people's lives. But in the longer term, unfortunately, this is only going to put our country in more debt. Mm. It's going to only put ourselves in more inflationary environment where we start seeing even more price increases next time, which leads them to subsidizing even more next time the energy crisis comes or COVID-22 comes out or whatever is there. Mm -hmm. We will continue to see more and more. Uh, on that side so when i made the argument about why it's not right to right to necessarily blame british gas mm. an energy company that's proving million multi-million pound profits mm. the reason i mentioned that is because if we stop the the free market and these companies from allowing uh, being able to make the money that they're making mm -hmm. we will put off any disruption in the market mm -hmm. let's say you own your own energy company, you're British Gas, yeah, and you're so. making your 100 million, and I'm at uh, 100 billion, and I, if that's right, uh, and I'm, yeah. and I'm the, I'm the government. Yeah. I say, no, Mr. Mr. British Gas, you are gonna stop making that much money. In fact, I'm gonna quarter your profit. So you're only gonna make 25 bill. Mm -hmm. Some people, that'd be wow. But to Ram, Mr. Ram Gas, Ram Gas, <laughs> who is looking to launch and enter the UK market, yeah. who's got this great, uh, business in Australia and he's looking to bring it over to the UK but he's got special kind of gas maybe it's in like some fracking kind of thing or whatever yeah. they do um, he comes in and he says well the UK government are pretty harsh on companies and they don't allow you to make money so is he better off taking his business to another country that needs mm -hmm. energy just as much as us yeah. is he better off investing his multi-billions in some other project away from energy probably because he'll say, well, iPhones, I'm going to develop my next iPhone or a mobile phone because they don't get as much scrutiny as the energy industry. Mm -hmm. And this starts to put off the free market from disrupting this energy environment. So in the longer term, we see less disruption. We see less in, um, innovation from the next best energy source, uh, whatever is going to bring in nuclear energy from Rangbagas. Mm -hmm. And we continue to go down this path of limited energy sources not enough innovation, not enough investment in the longer term, which is what we need. Yeah. And that ultimately leads to continued increased pricing and a scarce amount of energy in the UK. Here's my perspective. Here's my updated perspective. That's yeah. that's kind of where we rounded off the conversation yesterday. Yeah. My fresh perspective is why can't you do both? I know I'm asking for a lot right now. Okay. Why can you, instead of subsidize, implement these regulations to this country, uh, to certain like British gas, and go, hey, listen, you're only allowed to generate uh, X amount of profits from this amount, and you have to reduce your price. Yeah. But there is currently tax reliefs for renewable energy. Sure. Why, why is that not the better way to go? Because that way, you let people with on lower incomes still be able to turn the heating on. Yeah. Because here's, I'll tell you the consequence of this, and we talked about this as well. Um, lower income households still maintain their their, their heat mm. um, and, and, you know, survive the, the, the winter. But on the other side of things, you've got, you know, let's say it takes 10 to 15 years to develop a nuclear plant here yeah. in the UK or to develop a, a system around it. So for 10 to 15 years, 
British Gas is now restrained, but also British Gas is incentivized yeah. to change their name to British Solar or whatever they sure, want. Sure, sure. But now yeah. they're incentivized to innovate. Okay, sure. Makes perfect sense, yeah. and it can work in a balance. Yeah. All we're doing is we're making it 15 years rather than five years. Yeah. We're prolonging the uh, kind of the disruption. Whereas if we allow these companies to to have the profit and there's no not too much regulation in the, the field yeah. and we allow an open market where ram gas can come in, the next nuclear plant can come in, hmm. we get to a solution far quicker yeah. um, where suddenly people see such opportunity. I take the hand sanitizer business, right? Yeah. Uh, how hard was it to get hand sanitizer in April 2020? It was like gold. For sure. What did we see after that? We saw every company in chemical in the chemical space, wherever they were based, whatever they were doing, even if they weren't involved in hand sanitizers before, they were slapping their logo on a, a product. They were using their manufacturing plant. It was almost like the war where uh, people were, were turning their warehouses into producing this. We saw Ineos, one of the biggest chemical companies, turn to opening a hand sanitizer plant overnight. We led to a surplus of hand sanitizer because they saw the profits that were able there. They saw the potential in the market and they came through. Mm. And this is what happens in the energy market where companies will see, yes, okay, we have the macroeconomic environment of war and everything going on. So we do have to take that into account. But companies, international whatever, will, like I said, Ram Gas will take his multi-billions and he'll go, if I go into the UK now, mm. British Gas are, are not, are they, you know, they're, they're kind of their... They're not really doing much. They're not innovating. I'm going to come in, build my five nuclear plants or something quicker. But let's say five nuclear plants. And I'm going to develop it in a faster time than anyone has developed it before. It's going to be safer so I get through all regulation. And I'm going to take a slice of that money because he has to make money at the end of the day. Everyone has an e economic incentive. Yeah. He comes in. What do we have in five years' time? We have energy surplus. We have bills at the lowest they've ever been. We have abundance. Mm. And we have everything going through. So... I don't know. It's, it's always that short-term, long-term pain, whatever you want to do, but that's my angle. And I guess to add a little bit of proof to what you're saying, it's probably how we got a vaccine in two years when others have taken 15, 10 years to, to develop. Exactly. Uh, you know, with the COVID, with the, with the applied pressure. Yeah. And that, I don't know if you remember, in the beginning, there was a lot of reluctancy to develop a vaccine because there was low profitability around it. Sure. Especially around Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson. They weren't necessarily keen to get involved in that space because they realized they'd have to offer it up at such a low price. Mm -hmm. So they just didn't. And then government offered to subsidize it and all of this crazy stuff happened. Yeah. And they're like, okay, let's rapidly start. There's stuff to go on. There's yeah, stuff to go on. on. And so what you're making is a very valid point. Yeah. What I would argue is that these companies that are forming now, not like movements that are forming like Don't Pay UK, right. are forming from the fact that people don't necessarily have anything to lose anymore. Yeah. We were talking about this. Like back then, like the government's under this impression that your credit score is something to lose. Yeah. And to be honest with you, to, to me, who, who plan, you know is, is, has his eyes on buying a house in the next couple of months or you know yeah. early next year and yeah. all, all of these things... That is, a, that is a huge incentive not to do this. Mm -hmm. But listening to interviews with, with some people, they're like, we just don't care at this point. It doesn't matter how bad you hurt our credit score. We're going to go bankrupt. We have nothing more to lose. The credit yeah. score isn't valuable to us because all it's going to do is if we stay cold one winter, means next winter we'll be able to get our loan to pay the bills. Yeah. So fuck it. I'm just not going to pay now. Yeah. I mean, this is where I get very controversial. And again, a lot of, <laughs> lose a lot of viewers. But it's it's... The matter of the fact that, look, 
I understand the argument. You know, there is. it sounds like I'm not in favor of these price caps or alleviating the energy crisis. Mm. I am, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But what I do is I take a step back from Ash, who, who is uh, compassionate and who cares and wants a healthier world. Mm. And I look back at, okay, actually, is this a solution or is this just a sort of short-term fix? Mm. Is this just a... Um, plaster that goes out over the wound just to solve so kind of help it alleviate it for the short term or is this actually going to look at the root cause of what caused the cut in the first place mm. and that's what i'm trying to do here so i'm looking back i'm taking a step back and i'm saying people know that even if they go bankrupt they will be bailed out by the government mm. there will be money on the table you ask anyone in a developing country if they would do the same and they would be willing to go bankrupt just because they've lost faith or the bills have gone up a little bit more i kid you not they will not they will not go the same way mm. there are not you know they know what the consequence of that is whereas in the western world we are and right you know rightfully so that's what the government is there to do we are sure that if you go if you try and put yourself in debt and you go into bankruptcy mm. The I mean, government's going to come with its piggy bank. It might not be enough to live a life. No, no. But it's going to come with its little bit of money. Annoyingly, we've used the term bankruptcy here, which is actually a tool to bail people out of yeah. financial ruin. Right. <laughs> that so, is an interesting so irony. The people that were on the radio or the TV show or whatever you were watching, yeah, they all know they're going to be okay. In the sense, you know, they are not going to starve to death. I don't think they know that, though. I think they might be. They might be okay. There's a good, strong chance that yeah. they will be. I don't think they will be. Uh, so I, I don't think they know that. There's a real air of desperation around this. Of course. Yeah. But I just feel like they they are yeah. Potentially, there's they're not looking at the bigger picture of what's going on. Mm. Um, but there's look. We're going back to what is the underlying cause? Mm. The underlying issue is the government. So uh, and the system in as a whole. Let's just briefly on that. Yeah. Somebody mentioned this around me and it really got me thinking. In that case then, is four years too short? Because you don't have the consequences of your... You don't. Not only that, you're only thinking about how can I make a good enough impact that I'll get re-elected in four years. You're not thinking about what's best for the country in 10 to 15, which is probably what, you know, we just discussed. These bailouts would be okay if there was a solution at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. It would be fine if in in the background someone was developing nuclear. Sure. And 10 to 15 years later, we, we had an abundance, all-time low pricing, happy days. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to be... It's happy. where we're going, by the way. Yeah. Like You reckon? One way or another, we will go to abundance of energy, yeah. where there'll be so much energy that, you know, clean That's energy. what I was just going to... Clean? Yeah, that's, clean. Nuclear I, I energy. Your, your is, optimism. Yeah, clean. 100%. My only worry is... It can either be very far into the future, mm. 40 or 50 years, or it can be 10 years away. Mm. And ideally, we'd like it on the 10-year horizon. So you've described yourself as an Austrian economist mm-hmm. before. When I asked yeah. if you were a... I don't know what the opposite of capitalist is, because I believe communist and socialist have different meanings. Yeah. I don't really know what the difference is between them. Mm-hmm. But I asked you, like, what... I, I think on that, that <clears throat> I think communism is a very extreme form of socialism. Right, like a regime, but socialism yeah. is more a construct. It's basically like a shoehorn effect, okay. right? So you have the... I'm sorry, people on the camera, but you have the left and you have the right. Mm. And it's a shoehorn effect because on the very far left, you have communism, mm. right? Socialism, very far left. Mm. On the very far right, you have fascism. Uh, 
the Nazi party, fascist, yeah. fascists that we know, which are very far right wing. The fact is, because it's a shoehorn effect, you actually get very similar <laughs> at the, the tip. So you may say your normal, your normal Labour and Conservatives are very different, yeah. but you get to the very extremes and all the extremes blend to one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so communism is an extreme version. of So that. I asked you which yeah. way you lent. And you said you're an Austrian economist. Yeah. And I, I looked up a video on this. I fell down a spiral and I was like, this this is beautiful. Yeah. It's actually something wonderful. And the, the next thing I was going to ask you is that a, a core principle of this economic, what would you call it, construct? Yeah. What you mean, uh, what we... Like an Austrian economist, is it is it a theory? Is it a construct? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a theory. It's a it's a belief, yeah. It's a belief, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. <clears throat> One of the core values of this is mm. that industries just have life cycles and yep. certain th- you just have to let certain things die and yep. let the next thing come along mm-hmm. <laughs> using as an e- energy as an example yeah how do you think that plays out is it they get you know british gas makes too much money the next guy comes along and then british gas is suddenly out of well how do you how yeah do you I, I think i think the fact here is that for too long energy companies haven't innovated to produce more energy or cheaper energy mm. or a robust amount of energy uh, and the fact of the matter is in the UK, for those um, that understand the UK market, we actually only have one or two suppliers, I believe just one, um, but someone will comment saying this, I've got that wrong. But there's only a few suppliers. And the fact is, and when you see energy companies such as Bulb and Oct- or Bulb who used to exist, Octopus and Octopus and all these other companies, they were actually just resellers of the same energy. It was like how it's having a BT landline and all these other companies just selling BT internet services, right? It's very common. It's like Gift, Gaff, Voxy, they're just reselling they all re- Exactly, right? And it, it works in certain industries. But in the energy, in, in energy industry, what that meant is we saw so much innovation in the reselling of energy. Yeah. What price, what tariff, what this and that. We saw very little innovation in the actual production of energy mm-hmm. for the UK market. And what we're seeing here is a company like British Gas needs to be put to bed or woken up by the like of Ramgas. Mm. By the like of Ramgas coming in saying, well, in Australia, I've developed this amazing nuclear technology i'm going to bring it to the uk and now british gas either chooses to invest all the money mm. or chooses to say yeah i'm going to sit back and relax mm. um the kodak of energy <laughs> and then slowly die and yeah. and wait for the the iphone of energy to come through yeah. this is just the theory and yeah that's that's where i, I see it be but what happens too often it's gonna happen mm. i can see it is uh the energy companies are going to get bailed out or the energy industry is going to get bailed out Okay. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> no. But just like the banking industry got bailed out in 08. Yeah. Should they have been bailed out? Again, Ash, personal Ash, mm. thinking, yeah, of course, because yeah, of people's yeah. money is money. Little money at the time. Yeah, just like mm. that. Or the the person that said, said no, those ba- banks acted irresponsibly. Mm. People chose to risk their money with those banks and go on high interest accounts or whatever they were doing. I'm sorry, it's fair game. The world needed to learn, whereas yeah. no one learned. The banks got bailed out. The banks didn't learn. They continued to make their, their crazy profits. They added a bit of regulation, but not that much. Mm. And here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So it, the, the fact of the matter is, again, it comes down to the government looking to bail out every time. It's bails, bails out people, bails out companies. Feels good in the moment. Is there an example where the government... Not this government, any governmental example where it hasn't done to show positive result? Because this is all great theory. Is there any, any example of practice where that's happened? 
What, where it's done what? Government's just been like, no, you're on your own, mate. Oh, like uh, it's allowed something to fail? Yeah, like, oh, I guess Austria, but like... Countless times when you see... I mean, let's take industries that have, have been touched. touch. Why didn't the American government save Kodak? Mm. Kodak went into bankruptcy. This was... When you think Kodak, you think America. Oh, that's what people used to think. It was the Apple really? of that day. It was enormous. Kodak American? It's, it was an American... Uh, I don't know. I'm uh, check that yeah, Rochester, New yeah, York. Holy shit. <laughs> I don't know why. I thought it was Japanese. Yeah. So, no, that's Fujitsu. Well, yeah. I don't have a media degree. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kodak was literally... I mean, Ram. It was the Apple of that time. Like, oh, we're sure. not even talking that Do long ago. Do you know ago. who we're talking about? Kodak. Take a picture with your Kodak. Have you seen that? Have that song? Was that before your time? Ram's shaking his head. Yeah. It was, okay. uh, it was Pitbull. Pitbull rhymed Kodak with Kodak. Yeah. That was the last time that I heard like about Kodak. That was like a meme and Kodak manufacture cameras. Yeah. Well, yeah. So anyway. anyway so <laughs> here's the story about Kodak, Ram. They were the company that produced cameras, uh, film cameras, the ones you put your film in, but stuff. Um, even that was before our time, or yeah. a lot before our time. And um, the thing is, Kodak invented the digital camera. But because they were the monopoly, they thought the digital camera wasn't very good and it would kill the film industry. And they loved films. They loved selling the films. People would come in, process the films and so on. So they developed that. They put all that investment into film and they ignored digital cameras. And the thing they invented came back to kill them as a company. Now, the government could have come in in the 90s or when did they? Uh, they went into bankruptcy early this decade. I think yeah. they're still around. So uh, 2011... Uh, it yeah, it declared bankruptcy, uh, and then it did come back. It's it's made an awesome comeback, sure, but in a completely different industry. Print systems, uh, yeah. 3D printing, packaging so software. So someone's put some money in for its name, mm. but it's it's a different company with the same yeah. name. And um, but, but it died. It nearly died. It died, but it needed to die mm. because it needed to allow the likes of other industries to come in and disrupt the camera industry. Mm. And you could say, oh, well, Apple was obviously going to come in and destroy them with the iPhone. Mm. But had the government bailed out Kodak and given it something, maybe we would have had some oh, crappy version of, of the Kodak what? iPhone. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have YouTube as a platform. There we go. Because of all of the films filmed on digital cameras, like there's no way you know how to process Super Eight Mil. Fucking um, and like all of and funnily enough, yeah. Uh, so, sorry to direct this into cameras, but Ca Canon was the industry leader of like DSLRs. Mm -hmm. It's what all of the content creators started to use. I'd argue that's moved a lot more to Sony. I mean, we use Sony, but uh, Sony has sort of taken over that in terms of like dedicated camera yeah. equipment. Obviously, iPhone has, has played a huge role in that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like I would say, S Canon's no longer the industry leader. Yeah. In um, I think they're DSLRs. Come back, but yeah. yeah uh, everybody moved to translucent DSLTs, where the, the thing does. I'm getting geeky mm. about this. Um, <laughs> but it. it was terrible to begin with. Yeah. Nobody believed in it, and now I think even Sony's more. Uh, sorry, Canon's more hot selling thing is now DSLT. Mm. Or something. But don't get me wrong, like, it's not that every industry has to die, right? It's not mm. like Kodak had to die, mm. but it either had to innovate mm. or die. Yeah. And the fact is, some companies are so big or struggle to innovate because they're so down one road, mm. the world's going this way, they're there, they get stuck. Um, I take Airbnb, Airbnb disrupted the hotel industry, people thought it would kill the hotel industry, it actually just made the hotel industry wise up. Mm. It offers things it never did. It... Um, 
I mean, even something like a late checkout that hotels are doing, they're having to offer things they didn't before um, and services they didn't provide before to compete. And the hotel industry is coming back like mm. strong and being competitive. So it's looking at that and, and seeing industries that are companies that wise up and, mm. and fight off disruption. Yeah. So where did you learn where, you know, you kind of came up with this updated opinion of yeah. what you heard about the energy industry. Where are you, where's this all coming from? I want to, I, look, I think I know I, you have your two perspectives. Yeah. Your human compassionate one where you don't really want anybody to suffer. Mm. And then you have your bigger picture mentality, which you're like, okay, sure. But how, what's, what's the end goal? How do we get to a solution that everybody can reap the rewards mm-hmm. of? Which again, I would argue is compassionate, but not in the short term. It does result in people suffering. Yeah. So that in the long term, everybody gets to enjoy the luxuries of this. And I thought, what if my new perspective is, what if we took half and half? Mm-hmm. Because I sympathize with the people that might not necessarily be able to afford heating. Yeah. And if we move it from five years to 10 years and initiate a, oh, you know what? Let's be realistic. From five years innovating to 15 years innovating. Yeah. But that means at the end of it, fewer people die or fewer people suffer. That's a worthy cause. Sure. But we have to get to the end result. Yeah. And that's kind of my mentality around, take Tesla, for example, the the self-driving capabilities of that car. Yeah. The second it had a fatal accident, the world lost its freaking nuts. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, sure. But what you need to do is compare over a year through a random sample size, how many automated driving vehicles were involved in fatal accidents and how many manually operated Uh cars were. If that number, it doesn't matter if this number is 5,000. Yeah. So long as this number is 5,001. Yeah. Because this still still... hurt fewer people. Sure. And so that's my mentality of maybe we're in this rough phase. Maybe we're ironing out the bugs. And unfortunately, you know, that does mean that people are going to get hurt. But again, with Tesla and automated driving, maybe there's more simulations we can run. Maybe there's more testing we can do. Maybe there's something that we can delay the evolution of instead of going with automated uh, self-driving vehicles in five years' time, what if we went in 10 years' time Hmm. and half the amount of people suffering? No, it's it's absolutely... It makes a lot of sense. It's just about... Because... Arguably, though, I feel like that will be the way we always go, right? It'll always be a half and half. It's not like we'll continuously... Because the extreme of what we're doing at the moment of subsidizing would be to then fund the NHS another trillion dollars mm. or trillion pounds and to give money to everyone and handouts and a bit more furlough to those that are struggling. That would be the extreme of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And what the what we're doing at the moment with subsidies and balance is a bit of a half and half mm. where we're being fiscally responsible, but still giving giving people a, uh, a survival opportunity. Mm. Is, that, is that right? Yeah, I guess. I mean... Again, I, I, you say this because, you know, mm. there's, there's certain gripes I have. Like, if you look at the annual cost, of, if we talk about the NHS, yeah. if, you talk, if you look at the annual cost of the NHS mm-hmm. and divide it by the population of UK, it works out to about £200 a month. Right. Right? That's not crazy amounts. Mm-hmm. I think a majority of people play, pay about £200 a month in tax. Yeah. And again, you could talk about what about police and all the other government entities. That's supposed to be covered by council tax. Yeah. And so... Again, I'm like, what, where, I don't understand enough about the system, Mm. but I do think that there's money being spent in in irresponsible ways. Yeah. And so I think 
if somebody was to target the greater good, then you could find a happy medium between the two. But in actual fact, what I think is happening is that we're, instead of five years of innovate, you know, we're innovating in five years, some people get hurt, some people suffer. Yeah. We're looking at about 30 to 40 years mm. and a lot of people suffer. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's a pessimistic view of the no, world. No, it's, it, but it's, it's um, one that we need. But you know, you, you, you talk about people, um, you're not sure how the money's spent. Yeah. at the top or whoever gets the gets the tax revenues coming through yeah. what are they doing with the money where's it going how are we still in a deficit how I think that sp- angers a lot of people how are we still spending more than we we have but yet as a as a as a country we continuously say well we need to fund the NHS more mm. we need to do that more that's one angle the other angle which obviously leads to a more of a deficit the other angle though is not just the deficit side but the the side of does the state, the government, have any incentive to spend our money in an appropriate way? What is the incentive for Liz Trust to spend your tax money, yeah. the stuff that came out of your paycheck, responsibly? Good point. What incentive does, does she, she have? need one though? It's her job. But you know what's what I mean? her incentive? Her incentive is to look good on TV and to say we're subsidizing power. Mm. We're doing this. And she does that to 55, 60% yeah. of the population and that's all she needs really. She doesn't need to look responsible because Rishi Sunak was trying to be responsible. Love him or like him or not, Mm. he was. That was his argument. I want to be more responsible. Balance the books. Mm. That's not that attractive. That's not that sexy. Yeah. So, it's a tough one where there is no incentive to to be responsible and to do that. Whereas, yeah, in a business, I guess there is because it's either you do that or you don't. You're not hit. Yeah. Yeah. So. We talked, you know, off camera, we said we're going to make the podcast more personable, more yeah. related to our business uh-huh. and the things that we go through. Yeah. And all we've talked about is money and is energy crisis and financial and crisis. Yeah, 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 this cons- is turning into a government podcast, which yeah. I really don't want it to be. Okay. I actually hate publicly talking about politics. Yeah. Because I know what people are going to, people are going to go watch this. They're going to look at you. Yeah. And they're going to call you, I'm sorry, yeah, they're going to yeah. call you a right wing person. Yeah, yeah. They're going to look at me. Maybe I gave off a slight lefty vibe. And that doesn't apply to us. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. Not the, that's not even. But I'm, I'm okay. True. I mean, look, I'm not. I don't care what what say. I I will say it as it is rather than trying to pick a certain left wing right wing view. Yeah. Like I, that is my opinion. Um, but you will be categorized. That's what. Yeah. All I'm saying is that's why I hate talking publicly about my political. And statement. and that is it. So anyway, this is this is not a political thing. No, this is so more a, back to this is an economic thing. Scheduled yeah. program. Oh yeah, economic yeah. thing. Yeah. But we do actually want to talk more about personal business. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and sort of things that we've been through recently. We've we've been through a lot in terms of shaping the business. Yeah. Contrary to this entire episode, it's been there's been a really exciting couple of weeks. Yeah, of course, so yeah, much absolutely. has changed. Uh, but yeah, from next week onwards, I think we'll talk more about. This is just really stimulating. One, one of the things I want to talk about. I mean, we spoke about this off camera. Is innovation yeah. and and how to stimulate innovation within your your what company. The, what it means. What that means. Yeah. yeah. And and how easy it is to fall off the innovation bandwagon and and to to stop innovating, which is why companies like Kodak. Do you know, I'm piss. sorry I said, what I said this yeah. is what we've been building towards. Yeah. We have actually been on the, on the mark. There we go. We've yeah. been building towards We are, we're innovation. here. We just, we talked about the government a bit too much. Yeah, but I think that is what we want to talk about next yeah. week. It's, it's going to be a good one. There's a lot to talk about there. Yeah. And why it's either innovate or die. Yeah. Yeah. But let's go. This has been a pleasure. As it's always. It's been intense. Ram's yeah. been getting real pissed off since it crossed four o'clock. Yeah. He wants to go home, don't you? 
I'm sorry, but we need you to bring out Ramgas. Save the people. Save the people with your cheap energy. Mm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway, thanks very much for listening to episode... 39. 39. The big 3-9. Next week is going to be a big week. Um, but yeah, if you've enjoyed, please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, do what you normally do so every week. Um, but let us know what you want to hear as well. Otherwise, we may go on to a government rant. We're going to try to stop that though. Yeah. But we may do that. We're so about econ- econ- the economy, not... We're about the economy. Funds and yeah. business, not... We're about the economy. Yeah, not government. Yeah. This is no. not a political Yeah, podcast. definitely. It never will be. Anyway, until next time.